Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Every week on Jordan, Jesse Go, we take an hour or so to look at the big questions, questions of faith, morality, philosophy, and more. Uh, serious interrogations of serious ideas. Hey, Jesse, what, yeah. hold on. Yeah. God, I am sorry to be this guy. No, I just no, it's not a problem. Because you know, there's I no ju- one hate, I hate more than this guy. Right. I mean, I I, I was going to get straight into this stuff about like, how I many... have a picture of this guy on a dartboard, mm-hmm. and I don't just hurl darts. I hurl knives. Really. And in that way, where you hold the blade. Oh wow. And huck it. So like a serious knife thrower, not like a casual weekend mm. knife thrower. Yeah, a real yeah, a real knife dude. Right. That's how much I hate this guy. Right. But I'm going to be this guy right now. I'd hate for you to be this guy, but I'm going to give you the opportunity. So as much as I hate this guy, mm-hmm. you know what? Or this woman mm-hmm. or this person, mm-hmm. because Lord knows there's assholes of both genders mm-hmm. and there's even assholes who don't subscribe to either gender. Right. To be this person. Right. My faith has been shaken recently. Uh-huh. So instead of going deep on issues of faith and morality. Right, which is what I was going to do this week. Until I... As we do every week. As we do every week. As people know, that's what this show is about, and that's why you've tuned in. Right. Can we just fuck around a little bit until I get my moral bearings? How much... How long are you thinking? An hour, an hour and a quarter? For the fuck around, or how long till I get my moral bearings back? Well, for the fuck around, and then you can let me know how long until you get your moral bearings yeah, back. Yeah, I think the fuck around should be between 60 and 80 minutes. Right. Depending on if we have ads or not. Right. Um, and yeah, the search for purpose could lead me up until death's door. Okay. Great. Yeah, no, I'm on board for Thank that. you. Thank you so much. Should oh, we, boy. Should we have like a guest, on the, a guest on to help us fuck around or – No, that would be really, really cool because, yeah, I mean as you know, most of you know, what I do is you know, dive into text, sacred text, right. ancient text. I mean and... we had this whole Sir Francis Bacon thing planned for this week. Oh, boy. Yeah, and that's great. And we can hold it. Yeah. Let's hold it. OK. It's what we call evergreen. Right. <laughs> the business. Right. Well, I think of it's it not as particularly any... timely. I think some of the ideas that he was thinking about are particularly useful in our moment. But in the sense that most of them were considered five or so hundred years ago, mm-hmm. then I think – I mean what's a couple more? Like a week or two would be yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. so I think a guess would be great just so, you know, to give us something to bounce off of. That would be really neat. I don't know if you have anybody in mind, maybe the guy who's sitting here. Well, I – I, there's a guy sitting here, so we might as well sort of check out what his deal is. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Cliff Nesteroff. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, the author of the book The Comedians, um, uh, which is a comprehensive history of uh, uh, stand-up comedy in America in the 20th century. Um, he is also the host of a brand-new television show mm-hmm. on Viceland, or a series of specials, technically, um, a collection of specials. Um, I mean, I, we could just see what he has to say about stuff, and I could shelve this. Oh, I hate to shelve this, Francis. I got to tell you, you're kind of being that guy no, right I now. I know. And you know There's how much so I much, hate that guy. I have so much Francis you Bacon material. You know how much I hate that guy. Oh. But I'm being him. I'm gonna. I'm playing my that guy card. Okay. This guy, excuse me. Cliff Nesteroff. Hi, Cliff. 
Hey, boys, how are you? Well, thank you. <laughs> can, you help, can you help me find purpose? My morality has been shaken to its core. Yeah, sure, I can hook you up. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Great. It's, well. either, it's, either, it's either a sense of purpose or some lewds. <laughs> I don't know if you have either, it, of, either those. of those. Well, no, it's not lewds. Mm. I was thinking psychedelics, but... Yeah. Uh, oh, that might... Which go hand in hand with a sense of purpose if uh, applied correctly. It's either salvia... Or stevia. Mm-hmm. One of those two is the one where you get a sense of purpose. I, th- oh. I think uh, a stevia uh, yeah. goes hand it's in hand. It's a sugar substitute, no, it, right? It, it goes hand in hand with uh, that guy. Yeah, that you were referencing. yeah that that's guy true. That guy. Stevia. Excuse me, can I get some stevia? I'm yeah. sorry, I don't. Can I have some stevia, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what the hell, a little salvia. <laughs> Mix that in with your morning Joe. Man, wouldn't you like to open the newspaper one day and the, the big news is that someone accidentally put some salvia in the stevia? <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of amazing. Just people enjoying lattes across this great nation are instead uh, staring down the barrel of their own insignificance <laughs> <laughs> over what seems like hours to them but turns out to be only about 20, 20, 20 or 60 seconds what is that in the ail- real world. What is that ailment where you mix up letters? Uh, you're talking about, you mean like when you read things backwards yeah. and frontwards, mm-hmm. uh, that thing that everyone is yelling at the, come on, help us out. I know. Off. Help us out. It's a common thing. You know what we're talking Being about. Being dyslexic. Dyslexia. Being dyslexic. I thought that that <sighs> answer was too obvious. So I, I thought <sighs> you're definitely not talking about dyslexia. You're talking about something that I Why? Don't know Honestly, about. Cliff, that, yes, you're right. That is too, that is too common you're, a word for me not to know. That's perfectly reasonable, Cliff. I thought I was being tricked into uh, sounding stupid. So no, I did not no. say dyslexia out of fear that uh, I would sound stupid. But I will ask you, Cliff. Yeah. Alemo says what? <laughs> you know, Alemo I, says what? You know, I did, uh, I did my audio book and uh, there's reviews on uh, the internet. You mm-hmm. know, when you do something, yes. people comment. Right. Oh, interesting. And, uh, I'll have to I check those out. I bet yeah. those are cool. <laughs> yeah. On Audible, there's a comment that says, great book, but he pronounces everything wrong. And I was like, oh, fuck, what words am I pronouncing? I'm sure he's correct. Yeah. Because I don't know how to say Did anything. you do any follow-up? No. God, oh. no. I just stopped reading comments forever. Yeah. The, the, the pronunciation slash grammar people are some of the worst commenters. I mean, I think – But isn't pronunciation like regional? Like why would you judge or gauge somebody's pronunciation as incorrect if you understood <laughs> what they were communicating? I love that you're saying pronunciation. <laughs> why? Is that wrong? <laughs> it sounds fine to me. I'm going to be quiet. No. Uh, our friend Helen Zaltzman, mm-hmm. uh, who's been a guest on this show a number of times. Times hosts a podcast about words and etymology. Mm-hmm. I sincerely, I'm dyslexic, so I thought it was words and etymology. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not what dyslexia is. I, uh, I sincerely can't imagine. I would rather be like work at a garbage dump as a dump. Mm-hmm. Not as a like hum- a, <laughs> a human dump. Yeah, just a receptacle for garbage. Mm-hmm. I would rather be a garbage receptacle. There are some fetishists who would pay good money for that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, that's why I mentioned it. I saw this on gigs on Craigslist. Okay. Um, but, like, I cannot imagine a worse job in the world than hosting a podcast about words and grammar because there is sincerely no online comment worse than a words and grammar online Does comment. Does that qualify as a job? Is that her job? Oh, she earns human money for it. How much? 
Thousands. I don't believe Various that. pounds, Yeah, I would imagine. I, yeah, because those, she's pounds, British. those are worth one and a quarter dollars. I think your friend's a liar. Oh, well, that's also possible. <laughs> <laughs> this whole, whole thing could have been a snowball job. <laughs> could be. So you, okay, so you have, uh, uh, you've been doing a lot of projects where you dive into comedy. Yeah. What sorts of nerds do you hear from? Uh the n- biggest nerd that I hear from, and I'm going to hear from them this Sunday because there's another TV show I'm involved with on CNN called uh, The History of Comedy. Mm-hmm. The biggest nerd I hear from, and, and they are correct, but I still don't want to hear from them, are people who say, you know Woody Allen didn't write for your show of shows. Everybody says that. He never wrote for Sid Caesar. And with deep comedy nerds, mm. especially guys who are, are Woody who've Allen, been sure. to every Comic-Con since 1972, they are the ones that I uh, frequently uh, hear from. So um, that frequently happens. Even in my book, there was a caption in the photo. I wasn't mm. uh, the one to do the initial captions on the photo that said that, had a photo of Woody Allen with Larry Gelbart and said, your show of shows. I said, you got to change that so I don't get hate from... Uh, Middle-aged men or older men now. I like that your show of shows fans are like the real serious nasty assholes. Sure. Like everybody hates your show of show fans. (laughs) (laughs) Even fans of Caesar's Hour. (laughs) Yeah, no, the the worst nerds are the original nerds, the pre-internet nerds, the nerds that were – Nerds before nerds were nerds. Yeah, the, there is a like there is the a male chorus the 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 correspondence nerds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are fellas that the, we communicate in the letters section of comic books. Yes. Like our communication, bang on, you yeah. nailed it exactly. And they're not superhero comic books. No, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is about like, <laughs> men's romance comic books or something. <laughs> um, so, Cliff, you uh, you. Uh, for this special advice, you uh, have done a, a, the press release mentioned a couple of different things that I'm curious about. Oh, what did it say? I didn't read it. <laughs> well, you don't write your own press releases. No. Come on. I remember when a man would write his own <laughs> press release. Don't you? Yeah. Sorry, sorry to get on my high horse. No, no. As long I... as I'm being this guy. Which guy? The guy who complains that people don't write their own press releases? Right. This guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah. This guy. I remember when you'd get down and dirty. Use your hands. Sorry, right. I like to touch a press release. I like yeah. a physical press release. I'm so tired the of texture, being on their making phones. notes in the margins. Why are they always sending notes on their phones? <laughs> Write your own press release. <laughs> what it say? What it say? What it say? So it mentioned that uh, not only do you talk to Police Academy sound effects man Michael Winslow, yes. but also you uh, dive into the world of Christian only comedy. Christian stand-up comedy, yeah. Not to be confused with comedians who may or may be a Christian in their private life. Sure, but comedy but be- for a Christian audience. Yeah, exactly. Or even, com- even comics who might do a little material mentioning their faith. Like a Jim Gaffigan will talk sure. about being Catholic, but he is not doing well, that's how Catholic Jim, comedy. But that's how he started. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. A lot I of mean, transubstantiation I mean, humor. he did both. Like a lot of Christian comedians, and we talk about this in the series, do both. They'll do secular crowds and Christian crowds. Gaffigan oh, did both. And I remember I guess you I, just switch Body of Christ for Hot Pocket. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, pretty easy. Christ. Uh, he recorded, I think, like it was like a CDR before he was famous. Somebody gave me when I was doing stand up a stack of burned discs that comedians would sell at their shows, but you couldn't get online or anything. And Gaffigan's first CD, I tried to find it for this series, couldn't find it. 
um, it's from the 90s, was all about being a Christian. It was all about the Bible. And uh, I think it had one uh, uh, routine in it that became non, that was non-religious and mm-hmm. it was about the manatee. But uh, <laughs> but everything else was uh, so Christian it, related. It turned so. out on that CDR, he accidentally found a million dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That manatee routine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we profile comedians that do like a church circuit who perform, uh, well, we we profiled the two levels of Christian comedy. Those who make a great living. We followed a woman named Shonda Pierce, who I was not familiar with before, but she has her own tour bus and sells out theaters and has a documentary that played in 600 theaters across America about her uh, life and her career. And then we profiled the low-level guys who were doing like a church circuit where there's like 20 people in the audience. They get stiffed on pay and then they drive to the next gig. And Wait, the church stiffs them? Well, in the episode that we have, uh, we profile this guy, Leland Clausen, who I don't want to say he was um, blindsided by this sort of promoter, but he said, we're going to sell a lot of tickets, so it's up to you. Do you want your fee or do you want to go in on a percentage deal? Because we're going to sell a lot of tickets. So he went in on the percentage deal. And they did not sell a lot of tickets, and they gave away most of the tickets on a Christian radio station. And so he made nothing. He lost a lot of money on this tour. Wow. Was the What was the promoter's name? Uh, I forget, but the name of the company. Judas. But, <laughs> <laughs> the name of the company uh, was – How much did those uh, tickets cost, Jesse? 40, 40 pieces I somewhere. think you'll appreciate yeah, the name of the company. It was <laughs> – Extreme Faith. Oh, boy. Now, EX or X hyphen stream? I didn't really study the poster. I think it's it was a, just It's an important regularly. distinction. Everybody was going to be a journalist. Everybody but. was wearing a helmet, knee pads, and elbow pads for <laughs> Oh, some good, yeah. A lot they of all, rollerblades. In they there. all have their teen Bibles. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I grew up in uh, Orange County, and there is a big extreme Christian – Klansmen. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, a lot of like chill Klansmen. Yeah. Uh, like that that kind of like, hey, we're cool Christians right, kind right. of scene is very – was very big there growing up. I think probably still right. is. Christian Orange County is the home of a couple of the biggest big megachurches. Yeah, right? yeah, where, where, your, where your pastors will come out in a Hawaiian shirt. You get a, <laughs> you get a handsome tattoo sleeve guy who will play a song that yes. you, know, you can't really yes. tell is a Christian song until a minute into it. Right. Um, and I had this really – Really vivid memory this week, like one of those like, oh, my God, this happened. I was thinking about, you know, how how when something becomes popular, there is the slightly worse Christian version of it for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was and there was like those bands were like huge, you know, in my area. There was a lot of like. Finding the popular thing at the time. They all sort of sounded was... like a Christian no FX, right? Yeah, that exactly. Was the sound. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, like a Christian tool was very popular. Really? Yeah. There was a lot of like, or a Christian. Even, I mean, I feel like I even went to see some Christian slayers. One wow. of them was called Living Sacrifice, which oh. I still think is a very good name for yeah. a interesting. The, the front man of that band, Christian Slater. <laughs> the, I, I will. Give that was the, a little too on the nose. Yeah. So. I, I will give those Christian mm. subcultures this. They were great at like uh, naming things with like an appropriate pun. If you went into any Christian bookstore in the '90s at the uh, checkout, you'd find uh, Testaments. Which were breast- oh you know, yeah, I remember? saw testaments recently yeah, at something. Yeah, they're still out there. I so like I, to go to Christian bookstores. So I mean, objects. it's kind of hard not to appreciate. Uh, yeah. whoever came up with testaments. And I remember being at one of these things, and uh, as in high school, and it was around the time that like rap rock was breaking. 
And, you know, of course, there was the the Christian version of that. And I don't remember who the band was. I can probably pretty safely say it was mostly white guys with maybe a Latino guy or an Asian guy in there. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I the chorus of one of these songs popped into my head and I've been kind of like not exactly hate humming it all week, but like, you know, like chewing on a cold sore feels kind of good. Yeah. I've been in my head has been this chorus. Let me hear you say gratitude. Let me hear you say gratitude. And then the audience would say it. Why? How could they not say it? Yeah, it is so catchy. Yeah, I don't know. And I've and I it, it popped into my head. I'm like, oh, remember that? Ugh. But now I'm kind of like now it's kind of a soothing mantra. I have always had a interest in these Christian subcultures where they try and do their Christian version of like you sure, say, amazing yeah, yeah. thing. One of my favorite movies, period, for camp value is The Cross and the Switchblade. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen The Cross. Nineteen seventy one. It stars Pat Boone and the film debut. <laughs> <laughs> really at the peak of his power. The yeah, yeah, but and the film debut of uh, Eric Estrada. Wow, uh, who had maybe only been on Chips up to this point? Is that where? No, no, no. This is pre-Chips, ten, like ten years before Chips. Oh my gosh! And his first two movies were Christian. I feel dumb. I don't know when Chips came Christian, out. Christian action movies. His really? First two movies. Yeah. But this one they is, didn't invent Chips until the eighties. <laughs> yeah, it was all fries. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Even at a deli, you got fries. I had no idea. Yeah. Crossing the Switchblade has a great soundtrack composed by this guy Ralph Carmichael, who had previously done the soundtrack to The Blob, Steve McQueen, and uh, a movie called 4D Man, which was made by American International Pictures. And uh, the soundtrack to The Cross and the Switchblade is like uh, something that could be heavily sampled in hip-hop, the drum beats. Mm -hmm. There's a famous scene in the movie where there's a race riot. The movie's about this preacher, David Wilkerson, who... Played uh, by Pat Boone? Played by Pat Boone, who brokers a peace between uh, black gangs and Latino gangs Mm -hmm. in East Harlem, and Eric Estrada's the leader of the Latino gang. But there's a big race riot in the park where everybody's beating the shit out of each other with pipes, and this music is playing like it's like a black exploitation type Mm -hmm. uh, soundtrack. And uh, that whole movie is one of the most violent movies of its era. Uh, and then it ends with uh, <clears throat> when it says the end. He gets converted to Christianity. Oh, and then at the end. Okay. Oh, okay. And at the end, I can't remember if it either says the end, question mark, <laughs> or if it says the beginning. One or the oh, other. One or the boy. other. Oh, wow. Both are good. Yeah. Both are yeah. good. <clears throat> the one guy who uh, uh, always intrigued me, and we talk about this in a bonus clip that they put online for Viceland, is a guy named Mike Warnke, who in the 1970s was the Christian comedian. He had best-selling comedy records that sold into the millions. You can find his records in almost any Salvation Army or Goodwill to this day. And like a lot of these Christian-based comedians, they do an act, but they also have a sermon. Usually they have an intermission, so they don't have to close on the sermon, but they close into the – or they lead into the intermission with their sermon. And Mike Warnke would do material. He would do jokes. He was a a Jesus hippie guy, Mm. long hair and a big mustache and sort of talk like – a little bit like Tommy Chong. (laughs) And he did this sermon where he talked about how he used to be a Satanist. He used to sacrifice goats and cats, drink human blood, eat human fingers. And then in the 80s, after 10 years of him selling out concert halls and churches, uh, these two Christian journalists were doing a profile on Mike Warnke and dove into his background, found out that he was lying, that he had never sacrificed a cat or a goat or drink. How drank do you human prove blood. that? How do you prove that? But because it was exposed – 
that he had never sacrificed a cat or a goat or drink human blood, he was ostracized <laughs> from the Christian community. <laughs> bearing fault wit- bearing sure. false witness. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I say in, in the clip, if you're a budding young Christian comic, make sure you, you do say... sacrifice the goat. Yeah. That's amazing. I so... guess if you're playing a long game <laughs> where the end goal is success in Christian comedy, just sacrifice that goat, do a couple of years of debauchery. Yeah. Yeah. Blow prostitutes, you know, uh, you know some other <clears throat> arson. Maybe do a little arson. That, that guy's career never recovered, but he was a giant. He was the only Christian stand-up uh, comedian. And talking to these guys who were much mm. younger doing the circuit, they all know who Mike Warnke is. They all know the story that happened. Mm. Their parents had the records, you know. Sure. And uh, he's. Asked for forgiveness, but he never recovered. But he was very wealthy, very wealthy, like Jimmy Swagger mm, wealth, sure, you sure. know, multiple homes kind of thing, you know. So let's talk Winslow. Yeah, Michael Jordan Winslow. and I booked Michael Winslow on our old college radio show. Where was this? Here? Santa Cruz. Okay. Where college and... radio means something. <laughs> He's on a, He's on the show. Not in list. L.A. where they're like, oh, I need points on the back end. Nobody's talking about college radio, but up there it meant something. Jordan, you're kind of being that guy right sorry. now. Sorry. I hate it when you're that guy. I'm sorry. Um, and he didn't uh, – we missed him. We lost him. Yeah. I know he didn't call. He was supposed to call and he didn't call. That's something like that. We have a pretty prestigious – when we look at – our cancellations yeah. on our college radio show, it's pretty prestigious. Nope. And I mean, I think anyone who canceled on our college radio show really just saw through our smoke screen. <laughs> sure, they yeah. Did it, they they did were it correct. Early enough yeah. that they could get to the point where they don't call. What year was this that he canceled it, Michael? This would be the early 2000s, like maybe 2001. September yeah. 11th, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> How dare he? It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, a lot of people don't know that Michael Winslow is a first respond was a first responder on nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> um, they ran out of real police officers, so sure, they had, yeah, to had to bring in the folks and, from yeah, the academy, and, his, uh, and he can really mimic the sound of a control. Yes, yeah, so, so you never got to talk to him at no, all. No, we never, never actually never got him. to talk to him, and then you know later on, uh, our show started interviewing people. Um, I don't want to say on merit, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it was something that we took a flyer on. He was going to be appearing in Santa Cruz or San Jose or something, right? And we thought, well, yeah, I guess we'd like to talk to Michael Winslow, sure. see what kind of guy he is. Uh, it worked out really well. I don't know we if talked sounds... to Screech from Saved by the <laughs> Bell for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think. Oh, you are saying that we that we had a while where it's like maybe we should talk to like weirdos who people would be like ironically into. Yeah, and then we sort Versus, of abandoned that right, after the yeah. Screech incident and sure. a few. And so uh, uh, for, for, if, for anyone who hasn't been a long time Jordan mm-hmm. Jesse Go listener, when we interviewed Screech, it was horrible. It was, yes, a lot it was of, one yes. of the worst 30 minutes of he our did, lives. He did jokes from his act that included uh, like racist street jokes. Yeah, and jokes about people in wheelchairs. Street jokes about people in wheelchairs. Yeah, I mean that's who Dustin Diamond is. As it turns out. Yeah, we didn't know. This was before everyone knew. This is like before he had like stabbed and 
Right. This was so before on. he got cast and saved by the bell. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we heard this hot young kid who has had a great audition for a high school show that might turn into something. So anyway, Michael Winslow is a real guy in the real world that you've met. So I want to know yeah. what kind of guy he is. I loved him. I, I love it. I loved him. So he is. Uh, now, did he talk about like feeling bad about canceling or what he was doing <laughs> or if it was like a publicist thing or he, they put it in his calendar well, wrong? He didn't, Maybe we he didn't, he didn't, the phone number. He didn't talk yeah. about it, but he sounded it out. Yeah. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was the sound that he yeah, made. Got it. <laughs> um, but he uh, he's a guy who, when I was a child with uh, Police Academy movies, I loved sure. because of Police Academy movies. When you grow into an adult, is that the music? Da, 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 okay, now now do Citizens da, on Patrol. Da, da, do the da, Citizens da, on Patrol da, rap. Da, da, da. Oh, I can't. Oh Please. God, I wish I could. Citizens on Patrol. I don't know the words. That's pretty good. That's about it. Let me hear oh. you say gratitude. <laughs> I think that's where that comes from. I can that's do whoop. There it is. If you guys need me to. How much a whoop? The whole thing. Uh, at least the first verse, because it was the song in the aerobics class that I took in middle school. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna. I don't think we want to hear the whole thing, but I'm gonna time you. Yeah. I want to see the aerobics do... moves with it, though. Oh yeah, you have to do that. So fifth, you're gonna do 15 seconds of whoop. There it is. Okay. Tag team. Wait, hold on. Oh, wait. I didn't say start yet. You can do a little aerobics okay. too. We'll describe it afterwards. It. Okay. Ready, set, go. Tag team back again. Check it, direct it. Let's begin. Party on, party people. Let me hear some noise. TT's in the house. Let me jump for joy. Party over here. Party over there. Wave your hands in your air. Shake and stop. Air. Oh, it stopped on derriere. That's good. Yeah, it was great. Wow, I didn't realize that. I, used didn't, to... even, I didn't even get to taking it back to the old school because I'm old fool. Who's Sorry, so your 15 cool. seconds are up. You're okay. doing this. Weird. I don't judges I... discount that last you know, few seconds. It, it's it's like Andy Warhol said. In the future, everyone will have 15, 15 seconds, seconds to of tag rap. teams. Won't there, there it is. is. I didn't recall any French in that song, but there is. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? My memory is so. You went to Jesse. You had a you had the Canadian single, right? Yeah. So they had to do some of it. In I French. did. It's it CanCon yeah, thing. Was um, that a Canadian song? No. <laughs> oh. So but, got, they did used to play it whenever somebody uh, uh, hit a home run at, at the Toronto Blue Jays. If Joe Carter hit a home run, oh. whoop, there it is, was immediately being played as they yeah. rounded the bases. So for a second there, you had me okay. thinking it was Can. Got it. Did you? So you went to Florida to meet Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow is a guy who, when I was a child, I loved. And sure, in right. comedy, when you're a comedy fan, there's certain people, when you grow up, as a comedy fan and now are an adult, you're no longer allowed to like. Right. And you're not allowed to like uh, Michael Winslow. You're obviously not allowed to like Carrot Top. Mm -hmm. There's certain people that have a stigma associated with I'll tell you what, Cliff, I've, becomes... seen, I've seen the Top Live recently. That's a show. I don't know what that is. The Carrot, Carrot Top. Top. I call him the he Top. He calls him the Top. Oh, oh. I've seen him in Vegas recently. Oh, you've seen the Top. The Top. Live. Live. I thought it was a show, The Top Live. I've seen The Top Live. It yeah, sounded, it comes on after yeah, The with, View. It's yeah, called The Top. with Alexa Chung. Yeah. That's She's what it sounded like. Um, I'm just changing the subject randomly. But there's people that... Right, sure. Uh, Ernest. It's like, I loved Ernest. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have no idea what Ernest is, but I certainly <laughs> couldn't watch it and blow all my credibility I've Jim built over Varney, the last 20 years. At the comedy store in the late 70s, Jim Varney was considered one of the best acts. He had 10 different characters that he did. Mm -hmm. They killed. The Ernest one was one of those 10. But... There's certain people you're not supposed to like, and it's weird because we call a Carrot Top a hack or whatever, sure. but it's a hack joke to make fun of Carrot Top. You right. know, that's more hack than Carrot Top. Sure. Is. And Carrot Top is, is in part hack only because he has 
defined his own set of hacknesses that other people have run into the ground. I mean, he is the definitional carrot top type comedian. Mm-hmm. But there's far worse comedians out there than sure. carrot top. There's yeah. racist comedians sure. out there. You know, at I least saw a guy who was something. a prison guard comedian one time. Oh, <laughs> I literally had to leave. It's the only time I've ever left a comedy <laughs> show. It was a San Jose improv. Wow. Oh, it was brutal. You've yeah. only left a comedy show once. I must like I, I've, left a show. I've yeah. walked out of, of at least one hundred stand-up shows. Yeah, wow. but, but it's not so much indignancy. It's okay. I gotta. Yeah, yeah. I guess off. there's. I guess there's two kinds of walkouts. There's this. This offends me in some way, or I feel like my you know my soul is evaporating a little bit from watching this. And then there's this comedy show is too long, which is yeah. most yeah. comedy shows. I yeah. mean, there's yeah. there's like I got to put some change in the meter. Sure. Yeah. But Michael uh, Winslow, um, this was the premise of, of the episode. Uh, uh, comedians on their way up mm-hmm. and comedians on their way down. Okay. So we profiled like a young budding amateur who was going to showcase for the first time for a late night show and was auditioning for a thing and had a lot going for her and was really excited. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this is true. We profiled Michael Winslow because uh, Sinbad said no. So, oh, wow. <laughs> So he went to Orlando, but the first question was, why is Michael Winslow living in Orlando instead seems, of New To be York clear, it seems like Sinbad's doing fine, isn't it? Yeah, he? he's on the rebound. He's yeah. on the rebound. Yeah. Sinbad's f- a lot of fun. I have but also, I have also met Sinbad. Cool I have also met Sinbad recently. Guess who's funny as shit? Sinbad's funny as shit. Yeah. Oh, that was my first guess. I yeah, just, yeah. I couldn't get it out. I, they, I had it on the tip of my tongue. He's another person that it's like you're not allowed to like say out loud that you love him. I've oh. met Sinbad recently. You know who's funny as shit? Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah. The Zynga. Yeah, anyway. Got it. I, I used to see Sinbad on uh, Arsenio Hall. I thought he was hysterical. Yeah, I yeah. used to see Sinbad on Letterman. I thought he was hysterical. And Norm MacDonald tells a great story about Sinbad. Uh, when Norm was doing his first Just for Laughs, he was very, very nervous about doing it. And he was hanging out with Sinbad during the day. And they were going into like some store in Montreal. And there was no uh, cashier. And then that night, Norm goes up, does his gala. Sinbad goes on stage. He goes, what's up with Montreal having no cashiers? And just starts destroying, yeah. riffing off the top yeah. of his head. And he was like, what the fuck? This is superhuman. But he is that guy, just full confidence yeah. in his comedy. It is like, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird to go back and watch some of that stuff, that like 80s stuff, that yeah. like stand-up boom stuff. Because like, you know, like there was so much of it. And I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff – that really played well then just got run into the ground. So it is hard to like see the material. It's fresh. But We're also like... distracted by the fashion and totally. the way it is Absolutely. shot. Yeah. The and brick wall yeah, that they're a, in front of. A saxophone of. theme song. There's so many things going yeah. against it. The a, talk show footage holds up the best. If you go back and watch those comedians on panel, yeah. that actually holds up way better than their stand-up for whatever reason. But like Sinbad, like some, you know, obviously like the jokes that he was doing, you know, became joke premises that got run into the ground a little bit. But you watch Sinbad and you're like, fuck, this guy is great at stand-up comedy. He was a and supernova. Like, there's, yeah. there's strength of material and then there's being great at stand-up comedy. Well, and and he's is... probably friends with the entire Gap Band. Sure, yeah. Well, I'll tell you about Michael Winslow. Mm-hmm. It was, no matter how much of a snob you are, and I didn't approach it with snobbery, mm-hmm just an open mind or whatever. And I did love him as a child. So there's part of me that is like, this is kind of cool for me mm-hmm. to think that yeah. when I was four, one of the first comedy movies I ever saw, probably one of the first things that ever really made me laugh was this guy. And now we're doing a thing. Mm-hmm. So it is impossible to stand next to Michael Winslow when he's doing all of those sound effects and noises with his mouth 
and not be impressed by his ability to do so. Yeah. You could watch it on TV and say, oh, this is stupid or this is corny or this is a gimmick. But there's nobody else that really does that. Mm. And so we were in a studio with him where he was improvising with a soundboard and a, like a, an audio engineer who was mixing and piping it in and distorting things with pedals and stuff. And it was fucking cool. And then I heard him say one thing. I had done a little bit of research. And this uh, gave me a new level of respect and should give everybody a new level of respect. He was booked at the San Francisco Sketch Fest, Michael Winslow. Mm-hmm. And there he met <clears throat> Reggie Watts, oh, who sure. told him, I do what I do because of you, Michael Winslow. And I thought, huh, we think of Michael Winslow as a square act and we think of Reggie Watts as a hip act. And here is one completely influenced by the other. And now Michael Winslow is doing things with pedals and soundboards because he feels inspired by Reggie Watts. I mean, it so is. So I was li- really impressed by that. It mm-hmm. is a genuinely amazing thing to see. I mean, like, I feel like I went to a lot of Roots shows mm-hmm. when I was in high school and college. And it was at first, uh, originally they were touring with Razel, the godfather of noise with the Z. Then they were touring with a guy called Scratch, both of whom were like beatbox slash noisemakers. And like Razel came out with an album, like he left the roots to pursue a solo career. And he came out with an album. You listen to the album, you're like, oh, I guess he's not really good at making music <laughs> at all. Like he can't really, re- like. But to see him do the thing, like to see him like make a beat and then make sounds from a record you know and yeah. like all these things, to see that in front of you is fucking mind-blowing. It, yeah, it is. And there's a – it's so brief. I wish it was longer. But in the episode, right at the end credits, they play music over the end credits. And if you didn't know – if I didn't tell you, it's all Michael Winslow. We were in the studio – with this uh, DJ, I forget his name, but they were uh, laying down different beats and different sounds. Each one, Michael Winslow, isolated. So they was, did- the, was the DJ Dead Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a guy named uh, Tiesto. Yeah, I think it's Tiesto. Is it Tiesto? It was a well-known guy from Argentina, actually. I just don't remember the name. Okay. Hey, if I if I talked about the DJ Jazzy Jeff. That's right. It was. It was (laughs) DJ Jazzy Jeff. Cool. And the song is about how parents sometimes don't understand? Uh, No, it was called The Girlie Has a Mustache. Okay. I would love it if Jazzy Jeff, by the way, immensely respected producer, et cetera. It's like, I'm not making fun of Jazzy Jeff here, but uh, if Jazzy Jeff and uh, Michael Winslow just went on tour as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Like uh, sort of like replacing the lead singer in the Persuasions or something. Yeah, like you don't like in the on in the ads you don't it doesn't show them. Yeah, it just says DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And when you go out, no Will Smith, and yeah. just see how long before people. Well, Michael Winslow does tour now. He doesn't really do comedy festivals. He does electronic music festivals. Really, and oh, he's highly boy. respected. So when we met with him, he was preparing for Moog Fest in uh, North Carolina, I think Moog Fest. And so it was really interesting. And then when we heard this played back where they laid everything over it with a beat and with a bass track and then with different sounds there was like 14 things on on the soundboard going at once i wanted it on my ipod it was like this amazing beautiful song so do teens pop molly and roll to michael winslow Uh, yeah are that studio um I would say yes in that studio that we were at. Yeah. Was it Mo? Was, but is Moogfest? Is that like a like I know somebody that worked with Just Blaze, the hip hop producer Just Blaze, and like Just Blaze was a huge, like maybe the biggest producer in hip hop, maybe along with Kanye in the late '90s, early 2000s. 
And I'm like, what does Just Blaze do? Because you don't hear Just Blaze beats, like, even on, like, unsuccessful records. Like, And he's like, oh, yeah, he just goes out twice a month and does an EDM festival hmm. as a DJ slash EDM guy and gets paid fifty or $100,000. Oh, yeah. William Morris has a whole division just for electronic music DJs. So is... Is Michael Winslow playing the Rolling on Molly <laughs> EDM Fest, or is he playing is Moog Fest like a bunch of dudes with he, Moogs? No, it's called Moog Fest because it just does a salute to the Got inception sure, of sure. electronic music. But he does ele- different electronic music festivals all over the world, uh, where he improvises on stage with a bunch of different DJs, pedals, and, and patch chords and whatever. I haven't seen it, but. Watching him in the studio, it was with all young kids, and his son is involved. His son's like a producer, and so this was like his next level. And when we interview, when I interviewed him, I was like, "So, you know, Bobcat did those Police Academy movies. He's sort of embarrassed about them. What What is your perspective?" And we thought going in that the girl who had all this stuff going now, for her. When was, you say Bobcat, you're talking about Bobcat Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, the young girl and who, Fresh Prince Dennis Miller. <laughs> yeah. The young girl who was who was uh, budding in uh, her stand-up career, we thought that would be the A story or the happy story, and that Mike Win- Michael Winslow in the year 2017 would be the sad story. Turns out it was exactly the opposite. <laughs> this young girl was so uh, ashen every time she was rejected. She was so unhappy about her state. Things weren't coming to her career fast enough. Michael Winslow was the most mellow zen guy. He goes, no, that those Police Academy movies – gave me a, a career. I could buy a house. I could do what I want. And right now I'm having so much fun sort of not doing comedy clubs, but doing these festivals, traveling the world. Uh, and so I was kind of very impressed by his um, his attitude, you know, like he didn't. It, and then we even talked about that. It's like, do you feel that you are disrespected by people in comedy? Do people kind of look down at you? He goes, yeah, sure. But that happened since the first day I ever went up at the comedy store. They're like, who the fuck is this guy doing fucking sound effects instead of jokes? He goes, I've had to deal with that with my whole life. It doesn't matter. So I found him to be a very uh, compelling uh, person. And I really – I could not not be impressed by what he was doing in front of my face. You know Do you guys I mean? ever text each other? Uh, every day. But it's just beep, boop, bop. It's yeah. 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 phonetic. phonetic. Beep, yeah, the voice beep, memo boop, function. Wapa, wapa, wap. Wah, wah, wah. I uh, – on the subject of celebrity DJs mm-hmm. and Roland, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was at a wedding a few months ago. But you feel like it's all my story. I was at a wedding a few months ago. That is a solid seventy percent of the stuff I talk about. You've on been this married show. nineteen times. I have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it just never works out. Yeah, I just well, you know. they try and tie me down. When you're the most beautiful woman in the world, it takes a lot to keep you locked up. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Was, uh... I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, after David Bowie died. Right. I'm Iman. Yeah. Got it. So this is like – so it was a wedding in Vegas and this is like – this is post-ceremony. I'm still with people and we're drinking. Right. And we, we see a billboard for Tiesto and someone says – and th- that looks like – oh, I read it as Tizio. And then it <laughs> led into a bit where we were being Tizio, the world's tiniest DJ. Uh-huh, yeah. And he was saying things so like, oh, let me, I'll ride to the show in your pocket. Wee! <laughs> you know, like, and I have tried, and we, and it's like the hardest I've laughed in recent memory. Yeah. You could you could sell that from in this a heartbeat Tizio in this bit. You could just sell that as a cartoon. Uh, you just need one meeting with Rob Schneider. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell him uh, there's also a defensive Asian character you could do in this <laughs> yeah. movie. Oh, man. You wear a rice paddy hat. And, uh, and I have now – so there are a lot of Tiesto billboards in L.A. And every time I drive by one with someone, I try and recreate this Tizio bit. Mm-hmm. Tizio, the world's smallest DJ. Mm-hmm. It fucking dies every time. And I yeah. don't know what happened. I don't know – how to like get that back? I feel like I'm I'm chasing this high. I want to laugh at Tizio again. Yeah, the world's smallest DJ. I mean, when you're driving around Los Angeles mm. and you see those billboards, mm. are you drunk after a wedding at all? <laughs> yeah, you. No, I should be. Are you? That's the X factor. Are you high on the majesty of human love? <laughs> right. I guess I should be. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe it was just the residue of the like. Open bar, you know, love is real. Look at these two beautiful people sharing their lives together. Oh, my God, Tiesto looks like Tizio. You know what I can suggest? Call your management (coughs) and see if they can get you a guest week as a writer on SNL. Okay. And then pitch Tizio. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then we'll know for sure. Is Bobby Moynihan still on the show? I think he'd be a good Tizio. He would be. He would be a great Tizio. He's got that Tizio charm, Mm -hmm. that signature Tizio charm. Yeah. And thank you. I feel like you you guys kind of politely laughed at Tizio, but I honestly didn't feel like you were feeling it. How does Tizio talk again? It's me, Tizio. Does he have any, like, uh, little outfits he wears? Does he have a little hook? I don't know. I don't. Is really it just remember. that he's really little? He's, t- he's tiny and he rides in your pocket. Got it. I don't know. I'm picturing an episode of the Littles, the yeah. cartoon. Oh, we can have the Littles had little donkey ears, right? Donkey ears and tails. Yeah. Maybe it was they were more like mice. Yeah, it's chirp. me, Tizio. I've got little donkey ears. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Work, I think. Work, 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 gonna work. Is he a scratch and cut DJ or just a mix DJ? He's like a he's like an EDM DJ. Got it. Wait for that beat to drop. Oh, so there's not a lot of turntableism. Womp womp Yeah, it would be hard for him to work the fader really. Sure. At his size, unless he does, he have tiny decks. Oh, that would be cute. Maybe they could be little overturned acorns. Oh yeah. Now see, now it's funny. Yeah. That's why Cliff's laughing he's so used- hard. <laughs> We're going to turn down your mic because you're laughing so hard and we feel yeah. like it. we don't want it to blow out people's earbuds. Yeah. yeah. I think TCO is pretty good. Yeah, but maybe – I mean maybe this is a lesson for me in in Nothing Lasts Forever. Can you I know, Maybe you... it was just a moment that I should try and – you know, I, I can keep close to my heart but I should stop I'll, trying I'll to I'll say remember. that I've been uh, – I've had the good fortune or the good misfortune to be in many, many uh, interesting Hollywood meetings and this sounds just like a real Hollywood meeting. So no. you got something is what I'm saying. You Jordan, got something. I don't mean to give you show business advice. No, because please. I need look, it. Look, you're certainly. the professional comedy writer in this yeah. room. I'm just some asshole from NPR, OK? Sure. However – have you written it down on a postcard, then mailed it to yourself? <laughs> oh, I should. Shit. Somebody's out there stealing Tizio. Okay, if you're out there and you're thinking of writing Tizio, Steve don't write Odenkirk, Tizio. Maybe. No, don't. Don't write it. If you're out there writing it, uh, guy who directed Night at the Museum movies. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't write it. Yeah. At least give me a story by credit. Yeah. I just want a story by credit. I had a meeting at uh, Brett Ratner's production company two mm. years ago, right before my book came out. Oh, sure. cocaine and company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I went in there, and the guy behind the desk who was head of production- People just call it Coco. <laughs> yeah. These guys were pitching. It was interesting. Coco, Coco. They were, anyway. They were pitching to me. I wasn't pitching to them. They're like, we could do this with your book, this with the blah, blah. At one point, uh, the guy- <laughs> This guy in the meeting goes, uh, guys, how about this? How about this? We get 
Old comedians, Jerry Lewis, Don Rickles, they're estranged from their families. And right at the end of every episode, we ambush them with a family therapist. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez. Huh? Huh? And then he leaned back with his hands behind his ambushing. head. And he went, I'd watch that show. Uh, I'd watch that show. That's why I said it out loud. Yeah. Because I wanted to watch it. Things can't be good over there, that Brett Ratner production company. Sure, you almost ruined X-Men. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. The movie where uh, Eddie Murphy steals that safe is pretty good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Came we should probably watch that ago. movie. Yeah, that's good. Ben Stiller in it, too, right? Ben Stiller's in that. Ben Stiller's always does a great Matthew job. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Talk about, talk about pros. I mean, right? Matthew Broderick could uh, uh, sell water to a well. Cabaret Sidibe. Oh, she's fantastic. She's a breath of fresh air in everything she's in. I love her on Difficult People. No X-Men, though. Oh, it's yeah. free of X-Men, so yeah. you're not getting a Nightcrawler. You're not getting a Cable. It's probably what I would have liked to see out of an Eddie Murphy heist movie. Yeah. It's probably just a little Gene Gray. Oh, Alan Alda's in it. <laughs> God. He's an inhuman, though. Would you He's s- not an X-Man. He's an inhuman. Would you say that Alan Alda- They have alien DNA and a mistransforms them. Sorry, go ahead. Would you say that- Wait, he's in the X-Men movie? No, Alan Alda is an inhuman in this movie. It's like an he's X-Man. An in, oh, Alan Alda is an legally dissimilar in from the X-Men. This, so. In this, yeah. in the office building heist movie, yeah, that Eddie Murphy was in. Yeah, so I guess Great. it's in the Marvel universe at large. Is he an X-Man on Scientific American Frontiers? <laughs> I think yes. Is that yeah? Is that right? He's he's X-Men he, X-Men villain Mojo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Thank God. He hosts as Monjo. Got it. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Hey guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Well, have we got a couple of big pieces of news for you. First of all, do not under any circumstances forget that August 12th, we will be at Angel City Brewing live in Los Angeles for the Max Fun Beer Bash. Beer, bros, but comedy, but music. Beladies. And beladies. <laughs> Daniel Radford's going to be there. Uh, Riley Silverman, Open Mike Eagle, other special guests. Special guests from the Max Fun universe. So if you're in Los Angeles, make sure to come to that. And uh, don't forget, if you need a new Jordan Jesse Go teaser, we got gotcha. you. Yeah. The It Me, I'm That. The It Me, I'm That. Uh, that's uh, available right now at maxfunstore.com for a very limited time. The time Your time is about to run out. They're, yeah, don't sleep on this. We are but sands you can sleep in, in hourglass of life. Mm-hmm. And they're drip, drip, dropping like so many water drops, I guess, mm-hmm. through the hourglass. I guess it's more of a mud glass than a sand glass. Sure. there's mud, there's water and sand. Yeah. Does but, it I mean, make I think- mud or... 
Yeah, well, I mean, cement. like, think, let's just clean it out every now and then and replace it with fresh sand. Right, exactly. Because otherwise, the turtle's gonna get sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. That turtle loves the shit in that hourglass. It's gonna eat his own shit. We've got something up on the jumbotron yes. this week. Uh, it's for Megan from Melissa. I hope you're having a good day at work. I'll try to get home a bit early today and maybe pick up some beer. I love you, and I'm excited to be married tomorrow. Uh, Maybe we could clip this out so you can play it after I die. Wow. She's probably going to die of happiness from that marriage, huh? Yeah, boy. I mean, if there's any day, if there's any day of your life to keel over from pure joy, it's at that wedding, baby. Or to invent a new hit character. <laughs> Who's that? Uh Melizio? Tizio! The world's smallest DJ! Oh, that's right. Melizio's the guy who taught the study hall at my high school. <laughs> yeah, you're confusing the study hall guy and the world's smallest DJ. To be fair, he also taught Filipino stick fighting. Oh, okay. Melizio was a pretty cool dude, actually. Yeah, now that I think sounds about like it. it. He's a man of, man of many talents. Yeah, uh, uh, study hall, mm-hmm. stick, stick fighting. fighting, something else. I feel like he had a cool ranchero, too. Man, oh boy. Melizio was pretty awesome. Yeah. He was always carrying around a saxophone also. Oh boy. I wonder I what know. he's doing right now. <sighs> <sighs> Maximumfun.org slash Jumbotron. Or if you want to advertise on Jordan Jesse, go email Teresa at MaximumFun.org. We'll be back in just a second. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Cliff Nestroff, guest. Uh, Cliff, what a joy to have you here on the program. Thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, Two weeks ago on the show, uh, we had someone call in. To And in the course of relating a momentous occasion to us, revealed to us that they were also violating an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Now, here on Jordan, Jesse, Go, we have a bit of a bad boy vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that about us. I have not. I have not noticed this, no. We're kind of the bad boys of uh, ethics and spirituality. Exactly. Normally when we talk about ethics and spirituality on the show, we're kind of... We sort of live raw and on the edge. Yeah, like Lemmy. Yeah, exactly. Just a couple of Lemmys. Yeah. Lemmy from... uh, What's that from? Despicable Me (laughs) 2? You're thinking of Gru. Got it. You're thinking of Gru. I'm thinking of Hawkwind. Got it. Okay, good. The the surprising hippie band that Lemmy from Motorhead was in before he was in. Yeah. That's the one. Um, uh, Yeah, so like we we sort of, you know, we like- Is there a minion named Lemmy? Is that what you were getting at? No, no. I was just saying, I was just just portraying a character who doesn't know who Lemmy is. He Uh thinks maybe that's a guy from Despicable Me too. Um, That's but a cute thing about the I'm minions. Sorry they that, have like have regular guy names. Yeah, my B, my B joke was trumped by your reference to Hawkwind. <laughs> sure. Lemmy's first band. Very influential Very in their influential. own right. A big sure. deal in their yeah, own right. Yeah. Great band. Um, so uh, anyway, we like to sort of spit in the face of the man. Yeah. One of the ways that we uh, are doing this this week on the show is by inviting our listeners to call in and violate non-disclosure agreements. We have two listeners who are calling in to break the law, break a contract signed in their own blood, mm. as all contracts are, <laughs> um, or e-signed in their own blood. Uh, let's take a listen. Hi, it's a listener calling from New York City to anonymously violate her NDA. I 
Ghost wrote a picture book series in the voice of a real-life popular internet pig. That's all. Who is the most popular internet pig? And why was a NDA necessary? Yeah, like... Well, I guess probably they want... Was it to maintain the illusion that the pig is riding? (laughs) Wait, was the popular internet pig Wilbur from Charlotte's Web? It's really... Also, it's just great to hear from the the great Joyce Carol Oates, too. (laughs) Just amazing. I guess I'm still hung up on why the pig... Was right, it, why, are you sure it was children's books and not spider webs? <laughs> right. For that some pig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is weird that you wouldn't want even just like, you know, from, from you know, who is the most popular internet pig that's blowing my mind that that even exists? I feel like I know all the internet shit. I if feel like I know all if the – Christian If Christian Duane was here right now, he would, he would be telling who us who the most popular internet, internet pig, pig is. is. Let's just say the pig's name is Lemmy. Yeah. <laughs> you would think it would say, oh, you know, a day on the farm by Lemmy with help from yeah. his friend, yeah. Joyce Carol Oates. Or at the very least, they wouldn't be embargoed. Like, Lemmy would be able to go to a party and say, I wrote that pig book. Mm-hmm. Like, even if, even if his name isn't on the cover. Lemmy from Hawkwind and Motorhead <laughs> right. would be able to reveal. R.I.P. Uh, would be able to reveal that he wrote the book, right? Maybe the maybe the disclosure agreement came after the fact because the pig was so difficult to work with, and you yeah. have to say you're not sure. allowed to talk about what yeah, happened. Yeah, sure, you know? sure, I get that. Right, or maybe our caller was behaving publicly in a way that reflected badly on the internet pig, and they had to sort of scrub their association from the records. Like she was drunk in public, or. Stabbing. Mm-hmm. I'll, tell, yeah. I'll tell you, I've ghostwritten three and a half times. I'll never do it again. Oh, and boy. It's always a nightmare. I don't know. Now, if... this, you wrote the Grumpy Cat book, right? That's right. Yeah. And also the, uh, what is it called? The Nan Cat. That Nan, book yeah, as well. sure, sure. Yeah. Most of the cat meme books, yeah. And they're always, uh, you end up covered in scratches after the fact. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Not such, worth it. Such divas, huh? Yeah, no, yeah. it's brutal. Well, brutal I can't brutal, write brutal. now. I have to sleep in this sunbeam. Oh. <laughs> I have to run to the other side of the house for no reason. But, but ghostwriting is truly a thankless job because you're dealing with a person who doesn't know how to write, telling you how to write, and it's mm. their ego sure. that you're trying to implement. So it's always just a guy yelling at you that you're uh, making them sound like an idiot. A guy I think, or woman or pig. I would think the toughest part would be shuffling off this mortal coil. <laughs> sure. Becoming a ghost in the first place. <laughs> All right, leaving your body and yeah. then re-entering your body, yeah. maybe Entering with the help a of a crystal. plane. Like, even just operating the keyboard... Yeah. You'd have to really no, focus. No, no, no. Well, I guess there's dictation software nah, exactly. now. Exactly. It's just a voice Got memo. It. It's Got just it. a voice memo. It's, but I guess that's tough because <laughs> you're dictating. <laughs> I guess it's tough because the voice memo, it picks up your speech, but also the rattling of your chains. Yeah. So probably you have to go back and <laughs> spell check it. It's confusing for dragon naturally junga, junga, speaking. Junga. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, let's, uh, let's break another NDA. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Jesse. Hey, guest. This is a listener calling from a place who is violating my NDA right now uh, as per your request a few minutes ago. So I debated calling you about this when it happened uh, and would not have if you hadn't said specifically that you wanted some violations. Uh, I work for a a place that uh, does racial justice work. 
and uh, recently uh, helped to get my boss fired for saying uh, the N-word in public because a white lady in charge of a racial justice place saying the N-word in public is just so very Bill Maher. So fuck her and fuck Bill Maher. And great job, guys. Love your show. Get him, get him, get him. I'm sure I'm real late in the day with that one, but that's what I remember. All right, thanks. I need more context. I need more context for what happened because maybe she was buying a Richard Pryor record. You know, like no, what? Sure, sure. What happened? Yeah, maybe she was trying to start a racial holy war. <laughs> yeah, you know. Noble cause. Yeah. Sure. But you know what? That sounds good. Yeah. Like if that information is all sound, that but, sounds uh, like but that again, probably why, should have happened. Why did he have to sign a NDA in this case? Because they don't want a scandal there. But who decides now you got to sign a thing? Because it sounds like he had to sign a thing again after the fact, not you know before what? the fact. I feel like as a white person, mm. I've mm. signed an NDA mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. can't say the N-word. Sure. It's just words. Yeah, it's just a word. It's, it's just, just a, a word. word. Sorry, I don't want to be scared of language. I love language. I love words. How English. they roll off Shakespeare, the tongue. The original rapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when something... Mo- okay, so... I you- hate to be that guy. But- yeah. Uh, if you have a momentous occasion for us or you want to violate an NDA, the number is 206-984-4FUN. We've got a couple of momentous occasions lined up as well. Uh, let's take our first one. Hi, this is Shane from Omaha. The moment of shame. Uh, I was leaving the post office and went to get in my truck and accidentally got a passenger side seat and had to play it off like I was waiting for someone to drive me away until <laughs> everyone that saw me do this left. It was bad. Uh, bye. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can you explain to me what happened? I feel like I didn't catch it. Yeah, it's his moment of shame. Okay. He went into the post. I parked his truck. Yeah. Went into the post office, came back out of the post office, and actually accidentally got in on the passenger side. <laughs> and then tried to play it off like he was waiting for somebody to drive his truck. That is really good. <laughs> it's very good. That's my favorite moment of shame so far. <laughs> what would lead you to get in on the wrong side? No, maybe you like share the car. Maybe it's a shared car, and sometimes yeah. his significant no. other drives. Maybe it was his and he's chauffeur's used day to. off. Going to be no, chauffeur's no, day no. off. That's... I like the guy who has a pickup truck and also a chauffeur. <laughs> no, that's a marijuana induced incident. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I do love to get blaze and go buy some fucking stamps. You would think that if he has a chauffeur and a pickup truck, at least he would have a crew cab, right? Sure, yeah, right. You can just lay down in the back <laughs> and let a soda can roll around and hit him in the head. Here's, that would be very fun. Here's our next call. Hey, Jordan, Jesse, and guest. I'm just calling in with a momentous occasion. It's pretty old, but I'm a relatively new listener. I got a call pretty recently for uh, an understudy position in a in the play Hamlet for my local theater group, and I took it. And I went to a rehearsal that I was told by the director to go to, and it turned out to be an intervention for the cast member that I was to understudy for. Uh, I sat through the entire hour and 45-minute intervention alone in the auditorium as it took place on stage, and at the end I was called out 
to light a fire under his ass. So thanks for listening, and I don't know how to take it to this day. Bye, guys. Thanks. Okay, this is great. First, just before we get into it, before we dig in, how about a hand for being a new listener, huh? Yeah. And people say this show doesn't have new listeners. It yeah. does. This guy. Every few who's years. Who's involved in the theater. Every few years, a true artiste mm-hmm. like this guy discovers Jordan Jesse Go and latches He's on. He's going through his big brother's tapes. Exactly. You have, you have Metallica, Ride the Lightning. Yeah. And then you have classic episodes of Jordan Jesse Go issued on tape. Yeah. <laughs> And the first season of Never Not Funny with Mike Schmidt. Yeah, probably yeah. Probably is on in that tape collection. Is the tab ripped off of those tapes? So oh, absolutely. Oh. So you can't copy over yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, God, it would be horrible if you gave that if you gave that tape to your little brother and he recorded right over a, a like um, Mike Schmidt's gym story. <laughs> right. Oh, that'd be terrible. There were times at a Wilco bargain bin where I bought cassettes, bought, purchased. Mm-hmm. Factory manufactured cassettes that did not have a tab ripped off. Like, oh, not, wow. So you could tape over them. Yeah, but they were like commercially – you knew it was the bottom of the bargain bill, bin barrel though. Like mm-hmm. It was just such a weird thing. And I did accidentally tape over uh, God, maybe Gino Vanelli perhaps yeah. if that's a name that means sure. anything to uh, – Sure. Uh, Probably my favorite musician of all time. Love Gino. <laughs> Gotta love Dave. It's Gino, baby. That's his, oh. that's his famous catchphrase. Yeah. Gino Vanelli's famous catchphrase. Anyways. Let's, so, yeah, so let's head right. for the middle of the road. <laughs> uh, that's where Gino comes to play. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, this is great. So this guy – so to recap, yeah, a man got a coveted understudy spot. In yeah. Hamlet, which, by the way, the melancholy Dane. Is can that I Macbeth? say that Who's the melancholy Dane? Hamlet. As a former, as a former professional actor, by which I mean I was on Comedy Bang mm-hmm. Bang that one time. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I cannot imagine a worse job in all of theater right. than understudying a local production of Hamlet. <laughs> you have to memorize all, all, all of the, the Hamlet lines. All of the Hamlet lines in Hamlet. In the hopes that one day you'll get to go on stage in front of 12 people who thought they were there to see a nursery, uh, like a a nursery rhyme themed musical Mm -hmm. featuring uh, song parodies of the music of ABBA. (laughs) What's that? Okay, I'm going to change it. I'm going to (laughs) say you hope that one day you'll get to go on stage Mm -hmm. for 12 people who thought they had bought tickets to a production of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Those are great. Yeah, Especially if it's go. the musical one. Gotta love that musical yeah, one. Yeah, gotta love that musical one. Did you know there's a musical episode of Buffy the and Vampire Slayer? And there's a Slayer? silent one, too? Yeah. It's a really audacious show. Exactly. They really broke lots of molds. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, I was going to ask you guys if either of you have ever been to an intervention, but are you supposed to talk about it? You're probably not supposed to talk about ever having been to an intervention, right? So you could probably talk about it generally, right? Sure, generally what it was Why like. would you not talk about it if it – you want to talk about it if it succeeded. Yeah. yeah. If it failed, keep it under your hat. Sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, you dropped the ball somehow yeah. if you failed. Yeah. I've never been to an intervention. Mm-hmm. Have you ever intervened? I once sold heroin to Dr. Drew. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. He's a great-looking great guy in person. Oh, very Taller handsome. than you'd think. Very handsome. Taller than you'd very think. Very handsome More guy. addicted Real to heroin silver. than you yeah. would think. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you never sure. know from looking at him. Yeah, he doesn't bring it up much on the show, but no. 
it's sort of once you know about it, it's kind of a it's kind of a subtle thrumming in the background. <laughs> like you hear him talking about different stuff, and you realize what he's really talking about is how he needs a fix of heroin. Sure. Yeah. He well, he, he speaks unless you're into it. You don't know that string ling- that street lingo. You know? Yeah. He goes, "I need to paper it down." After the show, you go, "What exactly. does that mean?" Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? Exactly. I have, I have a coworker, an ex coworker, uh-huh. who we were talking about Doctor Drew uh-huh. in the office, and she's like, "Who's Doctor Drew?" And everybody's like, "You don't know who Doctor Drew is?" Oh, you know, he's on Love Line. Didn't ring a bell. The guy does the the like celebrity rehab type show, and then she's like, "Oh." You mean Drew Pinsky? <laughs> so she knew Dr. Drew's real name, but didn't know his name was Dr. Drew? Wow. Mm-hmm. I've only learned who Dr. Drew was in the past year. Okay. And it was because Fred Stoller, the comedian, sometimes does live events where Dr. Drew analyzes him on stage. And that's my only uh, hmm. knowledge of Dr. Drew. Oh, interesting. Other than references. When I did stand-up, it was weird because I I knew about things in popular culture because – Every shitty comedian was referencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I never knew who the crocodile hunter was, but I knew he had an Australian accent sure. and said, by crikey, all the time. Yeah, yeah. You were focused on the important shit, like uh, the films of American international <laughs> pictures. I do not appreciate that laughter over there. And yes, you are quite a. <laughs> Um, have have you ever been to an intervention? No, I've never intervened. I didn't. I don't guess. I barely knew that interventions were real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just seem like comedy sketch premises. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a fair way of describing them. But I'm sure they've helped a lot of people. Yeah, and not helped a lot of people probably also. <laughs> sure, maybe driven people away from their families. Yeah, but anyway. Say. Back I don't to- think so, though. An intervention, if you were the subject of one, it would make you feel like shit. And I don't think making somebody feel like shit is ever really a cure. Yeah, maybe the good ones you're not supposed to. It's supposed to be we love you, we're here for you, we want you to get help. Yeah. Oh, is that how they go? We are introducing you to Dr. Drew from Love Lines. (laughs) Right. I guess the the comedy sketch one is that Mr. Show one where it turns out to be a roast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't don't do that. I think – I think I can. Funny. I think I can understand why someone would know Doctor Drew as Drew Pinsky and not as Doctor Drew. Hmm. I knew my aunt Laura Ingraham uh, as as Aunt Laura for many years before I found out she even was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So in this scenario, mm-hmm. he showed up to his first rehearsal, and it turned. But out he to was be there as kind of a reverse honeypot. Right. He was there to. To tell the actor, I'm assuming they were playing Hamlet. Do you think they You're picked not... this guy because he was intimidating? I don't know. Maybe because it would be insulting to be replaced by him. <laughs> <laughs> like how this Wa- guy's gonna play you. Like how Wallace Shawn got the start of his acting career because he was the one guy they could find who could, was plausibly a more goofy boyfriend than Woody Allen. <laughs> That's, yes, I think so. Why, if it was his first time, why would they trust him with fire? Yeah. I think it was a metaphorical fire, lighting a metaphorical fire under his ass to get clean so he doesn't have to be replaced by this joker. Are you sure? Because it sounded kind of literal. Yeah. Yeah. What does fire represent metaphorically? I don't know. I'm probably, uh, like a clean slate, right? Sure, or you because know, you would think that the other Hamlet's people... all-consuming ambition, right? <laughs> but his ambition was, is like the flame. If it was a metaphor, why wouldn't it be left up to all those other people who already knew the guy to light the fire? Why is it left to the new guy to light yeah, the fire? Sure, sure. That's Could a... it be? Yeah. 
a sexual fire, like in uh, my favorite song, Light My Fire by the Doors? <laughs> Could be. By the great American poet Doors Guy? Ugh. Love love that Doors Jim guy. Jim Morrison. I visited Doors Guy's grave when I went to Paris. And Between not being I did able a to shot. With... I blazed a dupe. Dyslexia. Dyslexia and Jim Morrison. I really plunged into that sentence thinking Jim Morrison would come to me, but yeah. it sure did not. Have you, you guys ever seen the movie that he made when he Wait, was in art school, Jim Morrison? He no. made a movie? No, I guess I was too busy watching The Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Crikey, like, mate. <laughs> I can't do the voice. I can't do the voice. It's on YouTube. It's about 50 minutes long. It's him uh, wandering through the desert. And filling up his car with gas in several scenes. So there's been several scenes of him at like a 76 station just pumping gas. You know, I well find, I sounds, find it deserts. It sounds overrated. <laughs> anyway. I find deserts to be a really powerful metaphor mm, for community mm-hmm. theater actors who need to get clean. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how I saw I mean, that's when I watched it on YouTube, that's what it reminded me of. Well, hey, take the hint. Yeah. We're here to intervene. Oh, geez. Do you think this applies to guys who were on Comedy Bang Bang one time? Ooh, maybe it does. Is this an intervention? Yeah, it is. Jesse, sorry. We, um, boy, we love you. Yeah. We're your friends. I love you too, especially you, Cliff. Cliff. Of course. I mean. I thought who better to come here and tell you that you've been. Well, you and I have known each other since we were 19 years old. Sure, yeah. But Sorry, Jesse, you've been replaced by your understudy until you can figure stuff out. Oh, wow. So. So Joe Rogan is right outside. Oh, He's geez. building a fire in your office. Oh, and if you don't get your shit together, Joe Rogan's coming in here. And the show is going to be all about how the moon landing was fake. Well, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. I've got to get straight. Are you sad and confused about world politics? Worried about the upcoming inevitable nuclear war? Or maybe a rat is living in your house? There's a rat living in my house. How do you get rid of a rat from a house? Why not immerse yourself in a completely fictional, imagined podcast for the beef and dairy industries? It works for me. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. Don't worry, it's funnier than it sounds. Find us at beefanddairynetwork.com or maximumfun.org, or wherever you get your podcast from. Oh god, there's the rat! Oh god! It's Jordan Jesse Go, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective! Cliff Nasteroff, uh, boy spot welder. Yeah. <laughs> you got Because they got those little hands. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Finer, they can do finer work. Mm-hmm. Rivets, nuts, uh, metals. When can we watch Cliff Nesteroff's show on Viceland? Apparently, according to yeah. an email that was relayed to me from a publicist. Technically, Cliff, Cliff Nesteroff does not even know that he hosted a show for Vice. <laughs> yeah, it's a Truman Show kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. They filmed him walking around. That is how we Talking did it. to Michael Winslow. I will tell you this much. We improvised the series. And I had a meeting in New York with the head of uh, production there. We had already been in production for like a month. We had f- flown around and filmed things. He goes, so how do you guys uh, write it? What's the process? And I, in my mind, I was like, don't, don't say you make it up. Don't say you make it up. I said, well, we write a script. And we kind of base it on that and then we kind of improvise off the script because you can't say you don't 
write a right. TV show. <laughs> right. But that is what we did. And then it was pieced together in the editing room. That's how we found the narrative, the arc about, you know, the ABC kind of storyline. So we shot like 25 hours for 22 minutes in each episode. And it was the editor who really uh, wrote these shows. And like I say, going in with the premise, with the idea that Michael Winslow is going to be the sad end of the story and this other person is going to be the happy end of the story and having that uh, concept shattered and coming to the opposite conclusion at the end was sort of uh, created in the editing room. But yeah. I think when you're at a meeting at Viceland and I – it's Viceland, just right? like not Viceland, Viceland, Viceland. <laughs> I just like I don't want to give Jordan any advice on show business. I don't want to give you any advice on show business. Yeah, please, Cliff don't. and I are both please very don't. successful. I'm, if you'll permit me a moment to be I've got that this guy, Tizia. I don't know. I, I, take I, off. I mean, you're your own man. I do not permit you, but please. When you've got a meeting at Viceland, and uh, they ask you how do you make your show, I think what you say is. I do some PCP, get on a plane to the Gaza Strip, and try and buy some guns. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want. Yeah. I think that's what they're looking for. You know, I bet the PCP uh, trip on the plane would be worse <laughs> yeah, than being sure. on PCP in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, that seems like a, the ideal situation if you're trying to buy guns in the Gaza Strip. Unless the in-flight entertainment is a couple episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Oh. Have you ever watched The Big Bang Theory jacked Gazinga. on PCP? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you're so jacked up the catchphrase changes slightly from who, who, who Gazinga is, to Gazinga. Who is the black actor in Miami Vice? Before he was famous, he did a great PCP. Uh, made-for-TV movie. Really? Oh, yeah, I and know. I don't know how well you guys know The guy Los... who's not Don Johnson. Yeah. The other I, guy. I don't know how well you guys know Los Angeles. Jamie Foxx from the movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. On uh, uh, La Brea and, uh, I want to say, Washington Boulevard, there's that 24-hour restaurant, Lucy's, with a big yellow... You know that place? Sure. Yeah. A very famous location in many that, things. This PCP movie takes place in the garage next to that restaurant, oh. and there's like a mechanic shop there that's still there. It has like a very stylized 70s logo and the actor in the PCP movie wears the uniform of that real mechanic shop with the logo on it and drives their company van while he's high on PCP in the movie. What is, it's the little details. Was the Helen, little details. Was Helen Hunt famously on PCP in like a television yes, movie? Yes. In an after school special. Yes, she was. Yeah. yeah. She was also in uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun with um, Sarah Jessica Parker. There you go. I actually am on PCP. Oh. Just another little show business fun Boy, fact. we're going to have to add some steps to this intervention. I thought oh. we were just trying to get you off crank. Yeah. No, I the thing is I had to lift a car up off of a baby. That's okay. That's an excuse. So addicts, little, if there's one thing I know about dust. addicts, they make excuses. I did a little angel oh, dust. There's a baby a under little, a car. A little All angel right. dust. I was in a gang war in 1970s New York, so I did a little, little bit of angel dust. That's how it starts. If you want to watch Cliff's special, they're marathon in the thing on Viceland, July 30th, 8 p.m. Set those DVRs. And uh, Cliff's book is called The Comedians, uh, blurbed by none other than my colleague, Mr. John Hodgman. Also blurbed by Mel Brooks, your other colleague. <laughs> yeah, so Mel Brooks is sort of like the poor man's John Hodgman. <laughs> I think so. They yeah, kind of stole Hodgman's They call him the Jewish bit. John Hodgman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Hodgman may literally be the least Jewish person in the in the entire comedy <laughs> industry. <laughs> um, Cliff Nesteroff, what a joy to have you on the program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Daniel Baruela on the boards this week. We are going to be live in Los Angeles uh, August 12th at Angel City Brewery. Uh, not just us. 
We're going to have stand-up comedy from our Max Fund colleagues, Riley Silverman and Danielle Bradford. Mm-hmm. Two of the funniest. They are going to be so brilliant and hilarious. So, uh, Jesse, let's get use a little music. Let's get you some tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe what if we got Open Mike Eagle to be there and do some music? I'd love that. Great. Well, then that's all coming up. Get your tickets now. They're cheap. Uh, they're on sale. Uh, you can find the ticket link at MaximumFun.org. Our producer, Brian Sunny D. Fernandez. Hashtag it JJGo on Twitter. MaximumFun.reddit.com if you want to chat about it. You can like Jordan Jesse Go on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Jordan underscore Morris. Am I forgetting any of the things we're supposed to say? I think that's all the things. Go get those t-shirts, okay? Get those shirts. Store. It me. I'm that. If it you, if you are that, I don't want any false advertising. Sure, yeah. Just take a good look at yourself and think, is that me? Am I that? It me. I'm that. Right. If so, get get a shirt. Get, Get shirt. Our thanks to Cliff Nesteroff. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jessica. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.